Hi, welcome to Lead with Love podcast. I'm your host, Christy, and I am super thrilled to be sharing conscious content that I know will be a game changer for you in your life. Every aspect of our journey requires growth for change so that we can evolve into our best selves. And in each one of these episodes, we're going to lead with the intention to water our souls, feed our minds, and inspire ourselves to love more and deeper. It's so important that we begin to love where we've been, love where we are, and love where we are growing. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Lead with Love. I'm so excited. I am interviewing the one and the only, I think she's the only Leslie Humphrey, but in my world, she is the only Leslie Humphrey, and she is one of the most powerful forces I have ever had the opportunity to get to know and to be friends with, and I get excited And I feel like I can fly because she has that ability to just do that to everybody. You know, she just is, is, is really, truly a super woman. And, um, and it's not to godify her or put her in a pedestal, but it's the way she chooses to see the world. And um, she is, she's from Florida. She's a military wife. She is happily married to an epic human being. My partner has a, you know, guy crush on Kevin, you know, can't wait to see him uh, soon. But anyway, she married her high school sweetheart. We're going to talk a little bit about that story too, for some of you that, you know, maybe you have had some relationship issues or um, maybe you're madly in love. It doesn't matter. We're going to share a little bit about her sweetheart's memories with Kevin for 34 years. And um, you won't believe it, but she's got five kids, five kids. And for those of you watching this right now, she is a hottie patati. You would have never imagined that she had five kids because she looks so incredibly healthy and beautiful. Not that if you have five kids, you don't, but she is like, you would think having five kids and you homeschooled them that maybe there would be some gray and all that other, but she's just as sexy as it gets. She owned a real estate company and a financial planning business with her partner. And she's also a multi-million dollar businesswoman. She leads women and men around the world into their greatest, best selves. And she works out harder than any woman I've ever seen. Like I watch her stories on Instagram and I'm like, oh my God, how does she do that? I want to be like that. And, um, and so she inspires me. She's always inspired me. So I was thrilled when she agreed to jump on here because I know she's going to inspire you as much as she inspires me each and every time I get to be around this woman. So welcome, Leslie. Thank you. What a, what an awesome introduction. I what I, like, I'm blushing. thank you Christy I love that we have been able to build a friendship together and over all of what's it been like 15 years or something and you know I feel like I I I would love I want to introduce you because I want to be able to brag all about you and the impact that you've made in my life so thank you for that that was so nice uh, well, you know what? You inspire me every day. And, and that's what's so great about having friends that are doing the work. They're in the growth mindset and they are not settling for anything less than their best. And so I want to dig in, dive in here. We've got a lot of content to share with people because our listeners are hungry for growth as well. They want to become the very best version of themselves that they can be. And they long 
to connect with powerful women who are strong in who mm-hmm. they are and humble and strong. And so, you know, when people see you now, Leslie, all right, what I always joke about when I try to explain Leslie Humphrey <laughs> and Kevin Humphrey, okay. I remember the first time I met you, this shy, quiet, modest, you know, very behind the scenes, beautiful soul, okay? Who made her own bread, you can talk about that, which I'm impressed by, because I would love to learn how to do that myself. Um, But wasn't fully in her power. And she had this powerhouse of a husband who, you know, worked in the Pentagon and did all these big things. And he, he, you know, you kind of were in his shadow a lot. And, and, and now when you walk into a room, he's like panting behind you. Like he's in love with you. He just thinks you're the sexiest thing on planet earth. You wear your sexy heels and your, you just walk in like you own the place. And it's like, everyone just steps back because they're like, well, Leslie's here. She is here. And so freaking beautiful. So I share that from my perspective because I want the women out there and men to understand that this woman wasn't always showing what was already in her. So Leslie, share with us a little bit about that and, and what brought you here into your power. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's such an interesting thing because people that get to know me now will actually argue with me that there is no way that I was shy, that I was insecure, that I was introverted, that I wouldn't look at myself in the mirror ever, that I would never let anyone take a photo of me. As a matter of fact, when my kids were um, big enough to look back, you know, we didn't have cell phones. My kids are now young adults. So we didn't have cell phones with cameras when they were little and we were doing all of our fun adventures. And so we had old school you know, video. And so we would sit around as they got bigger and watch the videos of our vacations and trip to Disney and things like that. And they would say, mom, how come you were never there? And I'm like, I was there. I was the one doing the filming. <laughs> and that was where I liked it. Um, at least, at least I thought that's what I liked. Um, and I, I really did. I spent the majority of my life in that headspace. Um, and so, you know, you and I met as I was just, well, I mean, I was still very much in that space. And so I was 35 years old and um, yeah, almost 36 years old. And uh, my kids, it was a chaotic time. They were two, three, five, seven, and nine. And life was mayhem. We were running, we had a real estate company, a mortgage company, a title company. We had so much going on. And my husband, I mean, you know him, he has a big, big personality. And so uh, trying to do all the things and feeling as if this was not where I was supposed to be. I, I, I got to be a part of all of that, but I, it wasn't, I, it wasn't because of me. Um, and now looking back, I realize how relevant it all was. Obviously, I was the mom of the kids. Um, <laughs> and, you know, but it, I had this skewed or warped vision of who I was and how small I needed to be in order to not make waves. Mm. 
So interesting. And just to be able to even have that kind of insight right, of our past reflection of who we were and where we've come from is so powerful. Um, because I know so many listeners can relate to that. And um, I, 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 did, I didn't recall, are you the youngest or the oldest? Of I am the youngest but there's a pretty good gap between my brothers and myself. So it's almost like I'm the only. Got it. Got it. Got it. And so, you know, it's so interesting when we reflect into our childhood and, and, and our past, how much of um, the things that happened and the experiences we had really do, um, uh, I guess, determine our personality traits. And, um, and so much of the work is just the inner the, the healing of the inner wounded child, right? And it can be the simplest things as maybe an overpowering parent or teacher or family member or someone who said something horrible to you in school and it just paralyzed you. And so it's like, it's that really also showing compassion for our inner wounded child that we all have within us as adults mm-hmm. now. And recognizing that that is not, once we can accept that, we can then create a a brand new, uh, I guess, personality, a brand new part of us that is who we're designing ourselves to be, right? And that's what you did, I feel. Yeah, yeah, because I really, growing up, the the story that I believed was because my family, I had two older brothers and my parents, and they were smart. They, you know, they could have intelligent conversation at the dinner table and I was dramatically younger and didn't understand what they, they talked about politics and, you know, current events and all these things. And I would sit at the dinner table like, what, what is happening? And it wasn't interesting to me. And I felt as if I asked questions, I would, people, they would think I was dumb even though it wasn't appropriate that I would have understood those things. And so that was a state that I held on to and stayed in my, I mean, growing up all the way through. So absolutely that was part of it. And, and when I finally found the courage to number one, not be blaming and begrudging of that space, but taking ownership that, I get to choose whether I continue in that or rise up. Um, but then being okay that this is the next, the kind of, that was the next level of the journey for me. And I am so grateful for that because it has been such a gift to have such clarity. I feel like if I had been this strong, outgoing you know, powerful woman as a, as a 20 something, I wouldn't appreciate now the growth. I, right. Because who I am now is so drastic. And I feel like while it would be great to have a few different memories of those relationships and the feelings, the inside feelings. At the same time, I am who I am today because I got to choose to go through that growth journey. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that work, it really shows even as reflections in your children, as you know, mm-hmm. I've gotten 
to know your entire family and the the unit that you and Kevin have intentionally built and created to be the most sacred unit of anything and everything that you are a part of, it reflects in them as the, the people that they are and the humans that they are and the love and connection that they share with each other and with you and Kevin and the fun and the the also the lightheartedness, but also the ability for your children to really be vulnerable and to stand in the truth of who they are um, and not be ashamed of that. Like it's totally 100% accepting of each soul and how different and beautiful and unique they are is what I feel like you embody as parents. You've done a very nice job of that. Um, So I do wanna congratulate you on that. And I know that that hasn't always come easy. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, as parents, and that has been a really important, I mean, top of the list, really, right? Like you have a handful, a small handful of things that you say as a parent, the priorities, what are our priorities? Um, And when they're babies, you're like, let me keep them alive. (laughs) And then, but as they've grown, and now they are adults, um, it we have just, it's so important to me that each one honors the other, as well as honoring the relationships amongst, right, as the group. And so I I think that, um, you know, a lot of times we choose to either be what we saw growing up or what we wish we had. And so for me, having a big family. It was all the relationships, the love, the unconditional acceptance and love and honoring each person as a human. That that was so important to me uh, to be able to make sure that as they um, as they walked as individuals that they had that that security. Yeah, I can see that in your parenting and I can see that in just, you know, uh, the reflection of both you and Kevin's personalities and in in both of that or in in both of you in all of them. Um, And I've been able to watch them grow up, which is really fun. But, you know, I think what's most powerful is I, I feel like you and Kevin have really craved it hasn't been easy. I know no relationship on planet earth is. It requires work and effort. And um, I have, I love one of the stories that you've shared with me in the past about how there was this, literally this pivotal moment in your life when you and Kevin were together and it was either going to work or it wasn't going to work. And I love how you stood in your freaking power and now because of that, he was either going to step up or not. And now look at the family you've created and the life you've created. So I, I would love for you to share with the audience. And the reason why I wanted you to share the story is because it touched me so much. But it also, I think so many couples need to hear it today. You know, hmm. there's so much happening in the world. And I really think it's going to be a perfect medicine for some, one of our listeners or many of our listeners. So. Yeah. Well, so we were, um, so we were a young military family, had no kids yet. We had been married a um, couple of years. Uh, right after we got married, we were sent to our first assignment, military assignment, which was, we 
our family was in Florida, it was in California. So we were across the country. We were there for a handful of months and then to North Dakota. Uh, so, you know, the military definitely has a great sense of humor. <laughs> and so uh, that was where that, that was where we were. And um, as a lot of couples know, those first couple years are hard and then add to it new career, right? He was a brand new, straight out of college military officer. And we were very far from home and everything was uncertain and uneasy and, you know, stress was high. Um, and people talk about the honeymoon phase. I don't feel like when we got married, we had a honeymoon phase. Um, that was not a, that, that wasn't a thing for us. And so, and you hear it a lot when people are being very honest about relationships. They talk about those first two years of marriage being really hard. Ours were definitely, ours was definitely not an exception. And so we got to this place where we were really fighting and it felt as if there, it was hopeless. It truly felt hopeless. And so um, Kevin had a friend that was in the same unit as him. And he was from California and he offered Kevin, Kevin confided in him that we were really struggling. And he said, well, dude, I'm going home to California for a month. And this guy was a single, so he was a bachelor, uh, pretty fit buff guy. And he was gonna go home to all of his single ladies for a month in California. And so Kevin, and he said, you should just come home with me. My parents will love it you know, we'll just spend a month there and you guys can have some separation. So Kevin came to me and said, so I'm going to take my entire year's worth of leave and we're going to, I'm going to go with this guy uh, to California for a month <laughs> and you stay here in North Dakota away from your family. I had a job and I, I was a full-time student and I what, what, are, like, I couldn't take a month off, like, that wasn't an option, and so th that hit me really hard, um, and I remember thinking, there's no way, so after a little bit of processing, I mean, it, it definitely wasn't, a, like, in the moment, I came up with this brilliant idea, but um, after a while, I, there were a few months in there, we continued to fight, and he, for all practical purposes, he had requested the leave, and he was going, Again, gonna take the full year's worth of leave at one time and leave me behind so he wouldn't have vacation for a year. And I remember him saying, I mean, you know what they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> and I, at that very moment, I remember so clearly just keeping my mouth shut and thinking, no. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> I, I remember thinking that is not what your absence is going to bring. Um, so one day I had asked him, you know, can we go to lunch? So literally in downtown Grand Forks, North Dakota, which is very, very small, we were in a little pizza hut. We had these individual personal pan pizzas and I said to him, look, if you go on this trip, I, when I, when you come back, I won't be here. There is no way that you being gone for a month, we would be able to work on our marriage. 
And so while that doesn't feel like anything would help us right now, surely distance will not be a thing because we will not work on anything. And so I will never forget it. It was one of his most brilliant moments in all of our 34 years together. He leaned back and he paused for a second, which you know, Kevin, he doesn't pause before anything. He is all in full bore. And um, so he leaned back and he paused for a second. And he said, if you could go anywhere, any vacation, go anywhere, do anything for one month, where would it be? And Christy, I do not know what cockamamie thing came over me because this was not anything I had ever thought about, considered. I, I wasn't a dreamer like that. And, you know, back then we didn't have social media to like, it, we just didn't have the same kind of vision. And I just said, well, I, I want to do a bike trip through the grand, like bicycles, like pedaling, not like motorbike, you know, like real, like 20 speed bicycles. I was like, I want to go camping and through the Grand Canyon and whatever. And we left that lunch and walked across the street to the bike shop and we bought two bicycles and all the gear and started planning. And so he took that month off of uh, that month leave, but we rode in the back of that guy's car <sighs> with our bikes on on his, you know, in a thing on the back and he dropped us off along the way. And we did a 600 mile bike ride through the four corners, uh, Utah and all of that and um, changed our marriage. Changed, changed the trajectory of our lives, truly, truly, because we got to spend one month with no distractions. I mean, we didn't, there were no cell phones. Um, we had a lot of noise in our lives, and I feel like this is an important part of the story um, for people that are listening that this might resonate with, where maybe you're in a hard part in your relationship and you're wondering, do we work on this or do we let go? Um, we had a lot of noise in our relationship, um, especially Kevin. He had, you know, I was alone in North Dakota, and I mean, obviously I had him, but he went to work every day, and the camaraderie at the office was really close. And so they had, a, and in his unit, it, you know, a lot of these guys were young, straight out of college, and they were single. And so they would go out and they, it was a, a lot of fun, loving energy, and they got to really bond. And I, I didn't really have that kind of connection to the people there. And so he had a lot of noise of people saying, just stop, just quit. Like, what are you doing? Get out of there. And, and he even had family members saying, you know, what are you doing? Like, if you're not happy, be done with it. What do you, and so that one month gave us the opportunity to, we didn't solve all of our problems. Quite frankly, we didn't have the tools that we needed to learn to work through things. We're still working on finding the tools uh, to have a, 
a, an amazing marriage, right? Like we, it's, it's ongoing. You never stop. And it, it does require tools. People think relationships, they either are magical or they're not. But uh, I think so many people have great second marriages because they realize they didn't use tools in the first marriage, right? And so for us, it's not that that 30 days just resolved everything. And all of a sudden, the things that were wrong before were gone. But what it did was it showed us that we chose one another. Hmm. And it showed us that when everything else is gone, when the noise and the distractions and the stress is gone, we choose one another. You know what I love so much about that? And, and for those of you that are really resonating with what Leslie is saying and Listen, you don't have to go on a bike ride in the Grand Canyon. Um, and it may be something else, a 30-day commitment to turn all the noise off, you know, turn off all the social media. And only like once you put the kids to bed, if you have little kids, it's only about you guys focusing on each other every night for 30 days. That could be it too. It could be just, you know, falling back in love, writing, you know, love messages to each other every day. But what it requires, which is what was beautiful, and I want to celebrate Kevin in his masculinity his divine masculine, as he was surrounded by a lot of toxic masculine at the time, but in his divine masculine, he said, okay, I choose you. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? And it was that choice. It was two, it was growth together, individuals choosing to grow and to do the work. Big difference where if it's just one person who's choosing to just do all the work and the other person's sitting on the bench, mm -mm. it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work. It, it, it doesn't work and it won't work. And I mean, that was in that moment, because when he originally told me and then said, well, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I remember thinking you're running away. And what am I, how am I supposed to continue to make effort here? And that was exactly what that looked like to me. And, you know, it does, two parties have to want to grow. And I mean, in a, you know, things don't always happen in this, like I'm giving effort today and right now in this season. And if he doesn't, then it's gone. It's not always, you know, the exact perfect timing, but we were at a perfect, we were at a point where we were not good for, we were toxic to one another. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was now or never. Um, I mean, we, we really were hateful to each other for a minute. And the crazy part is when I think back of what that looked like and sounded like, it was neither one of us. It was your wounded child. It was your, your pain body. Both of you were not feeling heard and, and when we don't, uh, we talk about this all the time in love languages, we usually like to give the language that we, we need the most and we have different languages, mm -hmm. right? And I know you and Kevin have different love languages. We've talked about that before. And so I, did you, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, you really came on that trip to realize, wow, you were able to see the man you fell in love with and he was able to see the woman he fell in love with. Yes, and the interesting, I mean, it was a mere 30 days, right? 
And what's amazing is when we got back in his friend's car to drive back to North Dakota, um, there were no questions. We were like, we're having a baby. We're starting our family. Like there were no questions. And I mean, and again, it didn't, everything wasn't just forever perfect after that, right? But the thing is, is when you can strip away the noise of toxic people, toxic living, the noise of your own broken things, when you can focus on love, even still one of the things that I, you know, we all have moments where we're feeling negative or somebody, uh, we feel like there is somebody has done something or not done something and, and we're maybe brooding or upset or annoyed, sour, whatever about it. And you start to run those tapes in your head. One of the things that I do still, I actually was doing this yesterday, <laughs> is the minute I catch myself, like, I can't believe he did that. Like, and it's in my head and it's rolling because when we do that, all we're doing is convincing ourselves to be more upset, more annoyed, more irritated. And not to say there aren't valid things that we need to work on, but so much of what we do is just talk ourselves into a toxic place to then spew toxic toxic energy back at someone. And this is supposed to be the person that we want to spend forever with, right? And so I will, the thing I will do is I will just the mantra, I was literally walking off of the beach. We had walked the dogs on the beach, which we do every day. And I'm walking up the boardwalk and I'm just thinking, love, I am love. I give love. I love, I love him. <laughs> love, love, love. And do you know, just by, and we hear this all the time, right? Are you talking to yourself? Are you listening to yourself? Well, I had to choose to talk to myself in the language that if, if I were to go tomorrow, what do I want people to remember me by? What do I want people? To, I think about that all the time. I've all the time when I find myself spiraling and that he did this and then nah, 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 is I will literally think, but if I were to go tomorrow, would, would he say of me, she really did love. Mm -hmm. And so we can't say we are this person. We want to be this and then live a different way. Right. And so that is my thing is I will just flip it. And again, it's not about not addressing things that need to be addressed. Um, and, uh, you know, nothing is, I mean, like we, we, but we have tools and we're always working on finding new tools or better tools to, to help guide us through um, the times where it is harder to show love, <laughs> right? Like there are times where we are just annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I, you know, I can relate to that. I relate to so many things you've said, even, you know, being in a, in a, a second life partner relationship, you know, I, I uh, had a, a raised a beautiful family with my first partner, but learned a lot what not to do and what to do there. But I, I love what you said is you walked off the beach and you thought love. And that's, you know, this podcast is called lead with love. And I also find that there's this discerning we have to do within ourselves, right? Cause it's like, okay, is this really about him 
am I really annoyed with him or is there something that I was annoyed about within myself today and I'm being critical of myself, which is reflecting onto him. And I find myself, if I'm in like a judgment state or if I'm in an insecure state, I'm like, was I insecure about something within me today? So true. So true. And also, you know, for, for me personally, there are times where I, I'm an internal processor. My husband is full external, 100%. And so that is definitely a, a bit of a bone of contention. But when you allow me to the space to process internally, I will typically figure out because figure out what part of it is me. And because in the, in all reality, unless you are in an abusive relationship, which is a completely different situation, um, it is very much two-sided. And, you know, a conversation I have with my kids all the time is we teach people how to treat us. I mean, and again, outside of abusive relationships and things like that, but so there was a time where we went through a moment that was really, really rough. And we were, it finally bubbled up, came to a head and it was, we were knocking, I mean, just knocking it out. And I remember I had come to this realization that I had been stewing on like, he wasn't being good enough to me and he wasn't, he wasn't pursuing me and he wasn't complimenting me and like, and I remember like this, it had been building up for weeks and weeks and weeks. And finally, on the day that it came, you know, where we start, where we had this argument about it all, I had processed through and gotten to that place of, wow, I am mad at him for not treating me the way I want to be treated. And I haven't done any of that to him, especially not in the last few weeks when I've been mad about it. Wow. So when it all came to a big, ugly mess, I remember saying to him, I can't even tell you now. I can't utter the words that I, if we had, if this had happened yesterday, what I would have said to you is really different than what I would say to you, what I would say to you now, because I completely turned it upside down to realize that I was angry with him and hurt. But so in return, what did I do? I shut me down, withheld me from him emotionally. And instead of pursuing him and showing him how I wanted to be treated by honoring him that way, I was just selfishly being mad. Mm. Wow. And I think so many of our listeners can relate to that instead of communicating right? And sitting in that and saying, okay, what part of this can I own? What part of this is mine? Mm -hmm. Instead, people always want to point the finger. It's, you know, this person's doing this to me. And that is where nothing's going to be healed there until we can stop pointing the fingers. And I think one of our great mentors said, if you point one finger out, you got three fingers pointing back at you. That's always been such a great lesson for not just in relationships with, for, for me, but if whatever I want more of, or if I'm craving it, I need to give more of it. I, you know, <laughs> and, and it took a while to learn that. Like if I'm feeling 
if I'm not getting love and connection, well, am I, am I being selfless in my love and connection with others? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and sometimes it's okay. We need to be exactly where we need to be, but it's really self-actualization, right? Is knowing where you're at and being consciously aware of where you're at and where you need to be. Cause sometimes if you're a busy mom, like they come, they are at the top of the priority list, right? Someone's always pulling on you. And that sometimes can be a conflict as well, as you know, because um, a lot of people don't put their partners, you know, I I remember doing a course with Tony Robbins and Sage Robbins. I loved what they said is you've got to put your partner above your relationship with the kids. Hard. Hard. Yeah. Especially if you got everyone needing you all the time, Mm -hmm. but we don't get trained and conditioned to do that as women. We believe we have to give ourselves away to everyone, not mm-hmm. just the kids, but, you know, to the community and to our work. And like, there's nothing left in us. And so as we segue into the end of this, 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 conver- this great conversation that I know so many people are gathering information from, um, I know that you two worked really hard and you've always been for me like I know you're imperfectly perfect and that's what I love about your relationship. I love you individually for your gifts and your talents and who you are, your extroverts, your introvertedness. But what I love is your passion for recognizing what is and saying, you know what, we're going to make it better. I love the adventures you, you choose to go on as a family where you've just picked up and you've moved to another country. You, <laughs> you took the whole family to Germany. You know? Yes, we did. I mean, how many dogs and people did you have to take to Germany? (laughs) Right. We had two dogs and there were seven, eight, nine of us. Nine of you, because you had your kids and then their partners and you go to another country, you don't speak the language. I mean, what an adventure. It was. We went to countless, we would do just we traveled and traveled and traveled and traveled for one year uh, and it was amazing and we saw all of these countries and all of these places and um, it was fabulous and um, hard right people think travel is so romantic mm-hmm. uh, but then traveling uh, where like I mean, Kevin was in the military, so he was still had to show up to work, you know, Monday through Friday. And so we were doing these three day weekends, four day, four day weekends where we would jet off to it from Germany to Italy or wherever. And, you know, and then back again. And it, it was like moving a small, you know, <laughs> it really was. And but it was we learned a lot. Um, and it, that definitely had some hard times too, right? Because as glamorous and fun as travel is, there's, it comes with a lot. I mean, we had a lot of moving parts. So that was another time and not, I mean, that, because that wasn't that long ago for us, it was a few years. That, that was a time that was actually really trying for us in our marriage. And we had to say, okay, time out. Like we chose this adventure. <laughs> <laughs> we need to first show gratitude that we chose to do it and it's we've done it. Um, that was the first thing. And then in the midst of the chaos, the uncertainty, and one kid might be like, oh, this is 
this is terrible. I don't want to be here anymore. You know, like we had so many moments of like, we had one, uh, one of the kids with an autoimmune disease really struggling for part of the time. They're almost not able to walk and really some big challenges. And, um, but you know, it was all part of the adventure. <laughs> Life feels really boring now. I, and, and I'm sure you're quite grateful for that because there is the beauty and the bliss and, and what I, the adventure. I love that you guys just don't stay within the box. And I want to just slide right on into talking about leadership and leading with love. And, um, you know, to me, you're one of the most powerful leaders I've ever had the chance to know. I've watched you evolve into just not just leading as a wife, as a mother, but you're an exceptional leader in business. You. An incredible businesswoman, and you have the ability to really break things down and to make things, you know, not complicated. Mm. That's why you've, I, in my opinion, you've become so successful in your in your career. You can see what it is. You can sit with someone and say, you know what, mm, I, I really think you should try this. I really think you should do this, and they do it, and it, it's like you know they, it's like they're able to really break down those fears and the boundaries and the excuses and really step into their power. So as you, what have been a few of the top, I guess, if you were to name um, three characteristics of what it means to lead with love, what would those three characteristics be? And it wouldn't just be for business, but it would be in regards to being a mother, being a a partner and, and just leading with love in all areas of your life. Mm, okay, three characteristics. Well, um, I, I, so I love how you described that. Um, and the thing that popped into my head just quickly when you, as you described, um, my gift of simplicity comes from necessity, right? Five little kids at home running traditional businesses that are complex and complicated with employees and compliance, government, all these things. Um, I had, I, I had to keep things simple. It, it's, it's just how I operate. If you give me a recipe that really is super detailed and um, I, I'm going to struggle, I'm going to struggle. I just need things to be really succinct. Um, if, if, if I have a, a page of instructions, like putting up something together, if it's more than five steps, I'm out, like not happening. I mean, I'm not telling you, I'm not going to try to do it. I'm just going to try it without the instructions. It's not going to be scary. <laughs> but, um, so that being said, um, lead with love characteristics. So, I first and foremost is, um, I, one of the things that I truly, whether it's kids or business or just people, is I have belief. I believe in people. Um, <clears throat> and as someone growing up that really felt like nobody believed, mm -hmm. I, I truly believe in people and I believe in their, their abilities and their power and their possibility. Beautiful. Um, so belief is belief in people is, is something that I know for me is one of my top strengths. 
and leading with love. Um, the next I would say is, um, so I never know which word is the, the most accurate, but um, tenacious or um, persistent. Um, I mean, people say it about themselves all the time, like, oh, I don't quit. I'm not a quitter. But like, I am tenacious. And it doesn't always look like the fastest or the hardest or the one that got there and just leaps and bounds ahead of everybody and is like, you know, king of the mountain. I'm the one that's climbing, that the fingernails are broken and dirty and the knees are scraped. And that, and it's okay. And I'm good in that. Like, tenacity for me leading with love is being willing to be dirty and bruised and broken in order to believe in people and help people and love love people enough to continue to keep going and I know that over the years in business in friendships in churches I've had experiences where people quit on you and that's not me so I would say that is the second one. And the third, let's see. Um, you know, those, you are so, I, 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 I was that second one. I was like, you lead by example. Like, I'm just like, from when I think of you, I think of a woman that does lead by example. She is what she teaches. And mm. there are so many teachers out. So you're congruent and you're consistent in your messaging. Um, you don't sugarcoat anything. You tell the truth. And I believe, you know, just from an outsider's perspective, looking in and knowing you for so long, you're a truth teller. Mm. Um, you, you will tell if it's ugly. You will tell if it's beautiful. You will tell if you don't have an opinion. You will tell if you agree or you don't agree. And that is incredible. You don't tell people what they want to hear. You tell them the truth. You are a truth teller. And I would say that that is a big characteristic of your love leadership, 100%. Well, you know, and taking that back to marriage, um, the phase that we're in now in our marriage is learning that so much of working on the marriage is being able to be truthful to one another about how you're actually feeling or how something actually hurt, right? And part of that is then trusting that when you are truthful, that that person will still be there. Yes, and it's safe. That's right. For a long time, I really felt like I had to not share if anything was hard or if I was struggling because I felt like if people knew that, um, I, they wouldn't be okay with me, right? That it wasn't okay to struggle. And that's where being able to be truthful, to say, you know, I love you enough to say, and I trust you that I can say that and you're going to be okay with it, right? I mean, again, it's not, it's not, some people are truthful in a way that they're like, well, it's the truth. 
And so, you know, you still have to have kindness and compassion and love. Um, but at the same time, you have to build relationships that you, tr that are filled with trust so that you can be a truth teller, right? Because I feel like that's what happens in relationships is that we, whether it's a business relationship, I mean, it happens in business where you're talking, you're working with someone and they don't trust that your intentions are, are what they're hoping. And so if, you, right, and so then they're questioning. And so you have to make sure that you're always able to speak truth but that you're honoring in other people the, the journey of gaining trust for that. That's so epic. I mean, I just feel so many people resonating with this right now because, you know, even in partnership with my partner, my beautiful partner, we've, um, I've, we've had to dance with each other and learn the dance. And, um, you know, when something doesn't feel right, if I, am, if I need to speak my truth, am I safe to speak my truth? And there's been times when I've spoken yeah. my truth and, you know, there was some, you know, you know, he got a little excited or energized and I'm like, I'm not feeling safe right now for me to speak my truth. And so it's funny, we would have to walk away, then we would come back. And then he stood up and said, you know what, you're right. And I want you to feel safe when you share. So that is a divine masculine, right? And it's also when someone speaks their truth, it's not sitting there and saying, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Or like, making them feel bad or judging them or putting them down, like showing compassion for someone's truth. What, even if it sounds like the craziest thing ever and they, and, and a lot of guys, and I'm going to speak about male part, part partners, typically, sometimes they, they definitely don't see the world the way us women do. Typically they just are very simple and they don't typically think about things the way we think about them is not always rainbows and unicorns. You know, it's always, it requires the work. And I love that you're 36 years into your marriage and you're, you're still growing here. I, that's epic, Oof. you know? And, and, and I, I feel like what's powerful about that is that you're giving other people permission to say, listen, whether you've been together for a month or you've been together for 50 years, Let's show up each of mm -hmm. us and do some work because I know I'm worthy of more and so are you. And if we can't work this out, if we can't show up and grow together and share truth together, whatever it is, and we can't stand in that space and love each other, no matter what it is each of us are, are, are going through or as we're going through collectively, then we need to have other conversations because the most important thing on this earth is that you're happy and that I'm happy, that we're both individually in our happiness, period. This isn't about, you know, I remember before um, my partner, I left my last relationship with my ex-husband, I was sitting with my grandma at a pond in the town we were in. My grandpa had just passed away about a year earlier. And I looked at her and I said, grandma, I said, do you miss grandpa? She was married for over 50 years and um, 60 years, something like that. And um, she looked at me and she goes, you know, to be honest, Christy, I loved your grandpa a lot, but I don't miss him because for most of my marriage, we never connected. He didn't talk to me, Christy. And I sat there, I looked back at the pond and I recognized that that could be me. And I said, no mm. longer. 
am I going to mm. feel like I can't talk to my partner? I need to be, I need to express myself and I need to be received in a way that is all of me, not the best of me, not the worst of me, but all of me. Right. And that was a powerful right. moment for me to make a decision for myself. Christy, you deserve more. Uh, this person deserves more. You both deserve more because neither right. of you are really holding that space where you're both stepping up and shining. So, right. I mean, what a gift, what a gift that that conversation was. And, you know, that's, that's the thing. I think a lot of people stay in relationships thinking that they will just change. But things don't just change for the better. I mean, right? Like it is, we, we must take intentional action to change, to improve, to grow. Uh, because, you know, if you think about it, I mean, uh, we, th we talk about it, we joke about it all the time at our house. I, I met Kevin when I was 16. I mean, I'm almost 51, like what? That's crazy. We are very different people now. We have had obviously a lifetime of experiences, good, bad, and in between. We have had financial highs and lows and rock bottom. Like we have had, we have had some experiences, right? We've had experiences where we were rejected as a couple. We had experiences where we were rejected as a family. We had experiences where we rejected each other, right? Like we have, we have experienced all of these different things. And so the thing that we both agree on is that while it's not easy and it doesn't feel romantic, the work is the win. It is so true. So true. Yeah. I recently downloaded, um, purchased and downloaded this. I don't remember what it's called, but um, it, it was, it's like a, it's like an inner, a set of questions to do on dates that to do with your partner on dates is to help sort of change the trajectory of the conversation mm -hmm. um, to take it to a place where you can get to know each other deeper and open doors of communication better and things like that. And so uh, I, first of all, share that to say, there are so many tools, right? Like we never before have we had more tools at our fingertips. Um, but the other thing is, is that we can say we're working on things and I'm guilty of this as much as anybody. We can say we're working on things. We can say I'm trying, but I purchased that over a month ago and never have not brought it out for a date yet, <laughs> but I'm excited to try it. Right. But we do, we have to, we have to put in the work. And just because I bought the, the download, haven't, that's not the work. That was the easy part. Right. And now the, the, the work is let's do the thing. Let's get in, let's dig our nails into it and let's go. So I, I find that people really do feel like, um, you know, at some point it should just coast. And I just don't know that many people, if any, that that is a real, that's a reality. Yeah. And, and well, it's actually most people coast and, and they don't really want coasting, you know, and that's why they're scrolling on their social media feeds and they're 
you know, having fantasies and porn is such a big deal because people, you know, are, are, you know, finding connections somewhere else besides with their partner or thinking the grass, you know, our mentor said the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And if it is, it's because there's a septic tank there. You're going to have the same shit there as you did, you know, in that relationship. So it's like doing the work is so important, but you know, if, if you're a, if you put your soul and yourself into it, but you're not getting anywhere, that's where there are, you have to really then put yourself first. You are an individual. Number one, you come first. One thing I've learned more than anything is that, and especially in this partnership that I'm in, um, is that like, I was just, we were driving yesterday, we're in our camper van. And I said, you know, I'm finally getting to the point with you where like, you know, if you came along one day and said, you know what, Christy, I love you. It's been great, but I'm in love with someone else, I think. And I would say, oh my God, I just want you to be so happy. Like, I'm so happy for you. If that's what you truly want, I'm so happy for I didn't say that months ago. You know, I was just like so attached. I'm like, oh no, you're mine. This is my love, you know, so much attachment. And, and it's so funny is learning that like true love in a partnership is wanting your other partner to live their best, truest, yeah. highest self. For sure. Oh, so beautiful. So beautiful, right? Well, Leslie, I feel like we could go all day talking about so many things. There's so much wisdom that comes from you. And I feel like, um, you know, I had April Bayer on who is million dollar matchmaker a few months ago. And we talked about relationship. It was one of our biggest podcasts that people listen to because I feel like people are hungry for relationship advice, relationship with themselves and relationship with others. And so thank you for being vulnerable today. Thank you for speaking your truth. Thank you for continually showing up in the, in the divine feminine and really honoring women and men and being graceful and elegant in the way you show up and present yourself. You are a class act. You are a woman that all women should follow. I, I follow you. I learn from you. You teach me every day. Um, anytime I'm with you, I'm always learning. I'm a student. Um, and so thank you for blessing all of us today with your light and your love. And always thank you for leading with love. Thank you so much for having me. I love it. And I, you and I could talk forever, I think. Yes. And we will be um, in Maui soon, I'm sure, sharing some more moments just like this. Yes. I love it. All right, Leslie. So share with everyone how they can find you on the social media markets or where they can find you so they can get to know you. Yes, I love it. So the best place to, to track me down is through Instagram and it's just at Leslie Humphrey. Uh, so yeah, I love it. Instagram is my favorite platform, uh, because you can just put it all out there. Right. And, uh, my husband loves Instagram too. So people always tell us they like our interaction through Instagram as well. So I love it. And you know, what I'd love to see is I would love to see, you know, uh, gosh, what could you call it? Like session, you know, secret session, you know, sessions with uh, Kevin and Leslie, you know, people asking you questions about relationship <laughs> advice. Cause I just feel like you two, you guys have so much wisdom. Thank you for sharing it. Go find Leslie Humphrey. That's H U M P H R E Y on Instagram. Her husband's name's Kevin. You can find him floating around there all over her feet as well. They're a delicious human and a delicious family they have. So thank you for being with us. We love you girl. See you. Bye.